Hello, and welcome to episode 58 of the Movie Marathoners podcast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mati, and joining me today is James from the Munson's at the Movies podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, James. How's it going? Good. Thank you for having me. I wish we could uh, finally go outside, but I'm glad at least I get to do some fun stuff with you on here. Yeah, yeah. I'm really glad that you're joining me again. I thought we had a blast previously talking about the uh, Judd Apatow and Pete Davidson film, The King of Staten Island. So I think that was an awesome conversation. pretty good film, so mm-hmm. I highly encourage you to check out that conversation. This week, we'll be reviewing a somewhat different film. We'll be discussing the new superhero film from Netflix, Project Power. So we'll start by warming up with a spoiler-free review of the film, then we'll run into spoiler territory where we can talk freely about the film, and lastly, as always, we'll finish with our point two section where we discuss what else we've been watching. So first, let's read a synopsis of Project Power. When a pill that gives its users unpredictable superpowers for five minutes hits the streets of New Orleans, a teenage dealer and a local cop must team up with an ex-soldier to take down the group responsible for its creation. Project Power stars Jamie Foxx, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Dominique Fishback. It is written by Mattson Tomlin and directed by the duo Henry Joost and Ariel Schulman. Power, power, speak a little louder. Power. If there was a pill, I'm money. I'm the power. that could give you five minutes. It's really so they get So James, uh, I think this might be one of the first superhero films that is based on a completely wholly original property in a very long time. The last one that I can think of is uh, Chronicle, which is a film that I very much like. I'm a huge sucker for these kind of unique superhero films that aren't, you know, ripped straight from Marvel or DC. But what do you think about Project Power? How did it work for you as a film? So similar to what you just mentioned, I am also a sucker for these. And I think that I grade original properties like this on kind of like a biased scale because I want them to be successful because I like when people introduce new things. You know, we could Mm -hmm. see Batman and Spider-Man so many times uh, and you could redo them and they could be great. But I enjoy when someone puts like a fresh take on this. So when you mentioned Chronicle, I loved Chronicle. I thought that was great. And it was a cool concept and a new change. And that is the first thing that hopped out uh, when you suggested reviewing this is, wow, that's a very cool concept and I'm excited to see it. Um, But I went in knowing I'll probably be a little biased towards the movie because I want it to be good uh, because I am leaning towards like, I just love new superheroes and I love origin stories kind of like that. Yeah. I think that's exactly how I felt. I really wanted this to be good. It actually reminds me of those films from the 2000s, like Jumper. And there was mm-hmm. one with Chris Evans called Push. I don't know if you ever saw that. I saw Jumper. I never saw Push. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, both of those, I don't think they're particularly good movies, um, but they are movies that I hold very dear to me. More so Jumper, especially. It was one that I went back to again and again, mm-hmm. just because it had a lot of world building and it had some really cool exploration of powers. In that case, it was teleportation powers. In this case, it's you take a pill for five minutes and you get a random superpower. But do you think this film lived up to that premise? What were your overall thoughts on how the film worked? Um, I thought the premise was enough to uh, attract me. And even Mm -hmm. sharing the premise with people who aren't really into superhero movies, uh, they were like, oh, that does sound pretty cool. I would be interested in watching that. I think a lot of the premise is somewhat wasted um the movie was it had like a campiness to it it kind of gave me like a 90s feel where like the bad guys were clearly the bad guys and the good guys were clearly the good guys and you could tell because of the tone changes in the music and you know there you didn't there wasn't a lot of depth to a movie that i think could have had a lot of depth um but I still enjoyed the powers i still enjoyed the concept it just wasn't as executed as flawlessly as i wanted it to Yeah, again, right there with you. I think everything about this movie that doesn't work, which I'll be honest, for me was quite a bit. Um, Everything that didn't work about this film is on the execution level. I think there is a lot of really good ideas here and the actors are very good. I mean, you have 
Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I was joking mm-hmm. around before with my girlfriend, like, how bad could this be when you have those two? They're both excellent actors, and I think they're doing pretty good work here. Uh, and even the um, the girl at the the center of it, I'd never heard of her before, but her name is Dominique Fishback. I think she's very good. Um, she's effortlessly charming, and she really easily hangs out with these heavy, uh, heavy hitters mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't feel like the film is kind of forcing you to enjoy her or anything. She's a very enjoyable character to follow. But I found that the premise was almost completely wasted. Um, they have powers in this movie. And like you said, I think I enjoyed the powers. I enjoyed the showcase of, oh, what's this person going to have as their power? But as far as even the premise of, hey, you only have these powers for five minutes, they didn't do anything with that. Yeah. And that's why, you know, you're excited to see what happens because each time is like, oh, this is going to be cool. What is going to happen? And I'll give them credit. The powers were cool, but Mm -hmm. you didn't have any like buy into the actual story. It was, wait, is what's going on with this guy? Why, why am I supposed to know who he is? Oh, his power is that. Oh, that's pretty cool. Wait, who's that person? And (laughs) at no point was I like emotionally connected to it. It was more of, I felt like, it could have been like a really cool kind of campy comic book style movie. And it just didn't focus on the, the plot development as much as it needed to for you to buy in, for you to really care about Jamie Foxx's character, for you to really care about uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. You were just like, that is a character. I wonder how they're going to meet up at some point. Oh, and he has that cool power. Um, and I feel like they could have just gone so much further with the story. This movie is kind of all over the place, too. Um, Just the pace of the movie, to me, felt like it was almost on cocaine at times. It just (laughs) it really never lets up, even when the film is giving you exposition, like which, you know, we won't spoil here in the spoiler free section. But there's a backstory to Jamie Foxx's character. Even when they're telling you that backstory, there's loud music, flashing lights. He's having a flashback to this car crash type event. And so. The movie is always just like blaring at you and there's no chance to sit back and say, okay, let me experience this world. Let me absorb what these characters are feeling. There's actually like the characters also don't even really feel anything like like you said, they they are characters, but they're not really doing anything. There's no human interactions between them. They're kind of just getting from one character to the next character to show off a different power. And again, I think the thing that we will keep saying about this is that the powers are cool. And I do really want to talk about some of those specifics, maybe in the spoilers or whatever. But as far as a movie is concerned, it's, it's really flimsy in, in my opinion. Yeah. And it, I think I wrote down in one of my notes that it was about an hour in before I really realized what the plot was other than yep. <laughs> there's a drug that gives you superpowers for five minutes. And I was like, wait, so this is where the story is going. Cause I didn't know why I was supposed to care about, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character at all. And I was like, I, I, I think it's a cool character, but like it's very surface value at the moment. Um, I mm-hmm. wonder why he is tied into this story. And then with Jamie Foxx's character, like you mentioned, when they're telling you his backstory, like that happens during explosions and fight scenes and all this stuff. It's like, wait, what is going on here? And I was like, okay, there's 40 minutes left and I just figured out what's happening. And they didn't spend that first hour like describing the backstory of the drug itself. The first hour was spent being like, Hey, the first five minutes is like, there's drugs on the streets. We don't know what's happening, but this gives people superpowers. And then an hour in you're like, so that's where we're going with this story. All right. All right. Well, I'll I'll give it a chance because again, I'm biased towards superhero movies, but uh, you're right. It was so fast paced and it could have been so much more. I guess that's where my frustration is. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think with a premise like this, what you expect and what you can come up with in your mind and what you can kind of brainstorm on a podcast, for example, I think all of that is going to just inherently be cooler than anything that they can put in a two-hour film. Mm -hmm. So there is a, a, a level of, okay, maybe we need to cut them a break or whatever. But even with that, I think this film falls short because it it there are creative moments. There are some cool powers that we get to see. But in terms of that drug that lasts five minutes, um, the idea that you can distribute drugs, the idea of distributing drugs to New Orleans, which is a stand in for a low income um, community, all of that is very, very surface level explored, if at all. And the idea of addiction not explored at all, which is something that I feel like 
if you're going to make a movie about any type of drug is something that would be really interesting to explore, especially with a superhero lens. I don't know. It just it felt like everything. There was just so much more that it could have been exactly what you're saying. It, so what you mentioned, I thought was interesting because I thought the, the New Orleans setting was going to play a bigger part because they went out of their way to explain it like, oh, these, this is happening in New Orleans. You think, you know, anyone's going to come here and help us? And it's clearly after Katrina, like uh, the jersey that uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is wearing is, got, is a football player who's kind of looked at as a hero after Hurricane Katrina happened. And they're really focusing on like the New Orleans aspect of it and the uh, poverty aspect of the people who are being affected by this, but they didn't explore it. It was just like, that's what's happening. Think a deeper thought than what we're telling you. And we're like, oh, well, that's <laughs> like, you didn't really go any further with that storyline. Yeah, they, they really do make it very obvious that they're in New Orleans. And I think it, it reminds me of like Joseph Gordon-Levitt wearing the uh, the Saints jersey reminds mm-hmm. me of Ben Affleck in any movie that's set in Boston, where of course he's like <laughs> got the Red Sox hat or he's got the Pats jersey, and right, exactly. They they have people coming out of the Saints stadium singing the Saints song that I can't think of right now. Um, it's uh, who that? No, who that? Yeah, yeah, they're yes. saying the who yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, and it's like okay, but it doesn't actually matter that this is in New Orleans, other than okay, they're doing a drug trial in a low income area, but they're, yeah, that's all they say. So, um, that does lead me to the question though. Do you think that this would be better as a television show? Because in a way it almost like the first five minutes of this movie and even the first hour of this movie feel like a, a pilot or like a proof of concept of this world. And then they kind of show, they show the title card and it looks very TVE project power, the TV show. Is this something that you would watch as a television show? I think I would. Um, I think the fact that it was so fast paced, as you'd previously mentioned, I think that would slow it down if we didn't have to have uh, Jamie Foxx's character's story arc in one movie, like in one movie, because it's so quick. Mm-hmm. And the story itself is uh, affecting a city and essentially a country with, you know, there's drug uh, that is on the street. But it's from start to finish in two hours. It's just bang, bang, bang. I think if they slowed that down and they did give you the character development, I think it's awesome. I think it's such a cool concept. I would love to have a deeper, darker kind of vibe to it where maybe it's not as campy, but you could still have that part and just do a larger character exploration where, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, maybe we do get to see a little bit more of why he uh, keeps getting that drug and why he is... uh, working with a student, what's her name? Uh, Fishback, who you mentioned, while he's working with a student on getting the drug and trying to figure it out. But all that happens in like 10 minutes. If you were to explain that over uh, a season, I think it'd be really fascinating. Yeah. There's also a thing that happens in the very beginning where you show them initially disseminating the drug to these dealers, and then it goes six months later. And after the movie, I was like, well, the, that six months is actually seems like pretty interesting stuff. I would love to see how people deal with this drug coming out and then how the media spins it in. All of these things would be really interesting television fodder. The one qualm that I or like hesitation, I guess, that I would have with the television show is that I think in order to do this well and to do this convincingly, um, you would need a very good budget and really good production value which I'm not totally confident that Netflix would give to this, especially because it is a uh, new property. It doesn't have any existing IP or anything. I guess superheroes themselves are kind of like a proven concept. But I think an HBO show about Project Power, that would be so cool. Well, when you bring that up, were you able to watch uh, the Watchmen uh, limited series on HBO? Yeah, that's great. It was tremendous. That's why I completely agree. It's you put a budget to it. You put a uh, a timeline that lets you at least decide if you like or dislike or support or not support a character yeah. and buy in. <laughs> I think it'd be great because it is a cool concept. I love the the fact that there is a drug aspect to it. Is something that's never really been approached in superhero stories other than a classic like oh radioactive waste by accident it hasn't been looked at as a storyline where it's like no we're doing this on purpose uh it is uh, being sold and anyone can get it it's not you know the evil scientist mistakenly creates frankenstein kind of storyline yeah exactly 
It, it would be really cool. And I, I mean, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if this turns out to turn into some sort of television show. It just feels like it's so ripe for that. And I mean, I doubt they would bring Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt back, but I could really see something in this world happening. I just would want somebody with a little more... I don't, I don't want to like shit on the directors or the writers or anything. I think they're all relatively new writers and directors or anything, but just somebody with a little more focus, I think, to kind of make this either a story that is really focused on a specific character and following them through what's happening in the, uh, the larger aspects of society, or really just making this a sprawling epic of this is the wire meets, I don't know, X-Men. I think that I, that would what you just said sold me on it. I don't know who else would be sold on that. Where it's a similar to the Watchmen, where it's a little realistic but a little dark and gritty, but with this take on it, you can make it more comic booky, like how this is, but still uh, have a, a universe kind of built into it. This movie is also eighty-five million dollars, which is actually it seems like a lot of money. Um, and I was thinking, okay, where is this money going? Because there are these kind of flashy CGI things. Uh, we can talk about a couple of them specifically here in a sec. But there's not these, you know, the film in some ways does feel cinematic to me, but in other ways, it's very much one person versus another person at all times. It's it's choreography between one person against another person. There's none of these kind of sprawling CGI things. And maybe I'm a little biased. I just did rewatch like Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> yeah, slight, slightly bigger budget. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, it's not uncommon for a movie to have like a hundred fifty million dollar budget and have these sort of sprawling action sequences and stuff. So I'm kind of surprised where the money goes in this. Did you like overall the special effects of the movie? I thought um, in su certain scenes, I thought they looked great. And in other scenes, I thought they didn't look that good. I thought I think yeah. that there was maybe some scenes that they devoted more of that CGI budget too, because maybe they were going to put them in the preview or maybe they ran out of funding near a certain point of filming and they had to be <laughs> like, oh, we, this one, uh, just make it a little quicker on this. Uh, yeah, we can't make that one look as good because certain fight scenes I thought were great and other ones I did not think looked very good. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's let's hop into specifics then because uh, I want to see which ones you're specifically talking about. But I agree. Some of it looks great. Others look like ps2 graphics almost where <laughs> yeah or like the the zombies from i am legend the way that they run is just like not human enough to be convincing yeah. but uh james why don't you just summarize your thoughts on the film give it a score out of 10 and we'll hop into spoilers cool um so i am biased because i want new superhero stories like this to succeed uh so because of that i'll probably be giving it a higher score than maybe it deserves um, if you're willing to turn your brain off and you're not looking for the next Dark Knight or the next uh, Into the <laughs> Spider-Verse where there's a deeper message that's heartfelt and you just want to be like, wow, bad guys are getting beat up. That's kind of cool. This is a movie that you can enjoy. Um, but if you're looking for more than that, you're probably not going to get it. So I would give it a 6 out of 10. Okay. I think I'm going to be basically word for word with you there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, this, this is a film that... It's not a bad watch. It's not a painful watch. It can be a little, um, I don't know what the word is, maybe headachey because of how fast it's going. That like you're, it's always kind of trying to be like, hey, don't look at your phone, look at me, like a lot of Netflix films do. Mm -hmm. But if you just want something that's very like surface level thrills of, oh, that person just has firepowers now, that's cool, then this is definitely a movie that will work on you. Um, it's not offensively bad. And like I said, the acting is it's still Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's still Jamie Foxx. So this is a movie that that works as a Netflix experience, you know, that you can turn on for two hours and enjoy you watch, and, and enjoy watching it. But I do believe that the premise of this movie is so much better than what the movie actually delivered. And this movie is going to be very forgotten in like a day. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But you're right. <laughs> not great for a podcast that is going to release an episode about this and you know like a week <laughs> later but get around to it by then i think you'll be all right yeah yeah fingers crossed <laughs> uh but yeah I'm, I'm also giving it a six out of ten it's a little below average but right there so mm -hmm. with that let's hop into spoilers talk about some of these powers and these action scenes i'm going to say spoilers for project power starting now that's my secret cat i'm always angry 
So by happenstance, I actually saw a YouTube video from something called Netflix Film Club, which is this channel. I don't know if you've heard of it on YouTube. No. Um, well, it's basically like behind the scenes clips from different Netflix films. And the one that I watched was like a VFX explanation of how they did the Machine Gun Kelly fire scene at the beginning. Oh, okay. And I don't know about you, but that is one of the ones where I think parts of it look great, but other parts of it look like a 2005 PS2 person running through the building. And to me, watching the behind the scenes, it was just crazy to see how much thought and effort they put into that for something that ultimately still looks kind of bad. It just made me feel kind of bad first about criticizing it, but also made me really reflect on how difficult the CGI stuff is, how far we've come and how great it is when CGI does work. What did you think about that scene? So it sounds like you and I are going to be on different ends of the spectrum because I think that might actually be one of the better CGI uh, uh, scenes in the movie where it's right in the beginning and I was excited to see, be like, all right, cool. This is going to be the first time we kind of fully get to see what happens when someone does this, um, takes the pill and I thought it was a cool fight scene. I thought it, uh, you know, it gets you excited. It kind of let me know what the vibe of the movie uh, was going to be. So I was like, all right, if that works, like this could work throughout the movie. I enjoyed that opening fight scene. I, I think some of the other CGI, and it might be because of how it looked compared to the rest of the movie that I might be grading it on a higher scale. Because I think there was other fight scenes where I did not like how the uh, computer graphics looked. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I will say I really liked the fire on his body, like, and the way that his skin melts and stuff. Mm -hmm. I will say that this movie does an incredible job at making the body horror aspects of these superpowers incredibly convincing and incredibly terrifying. Yes. I know Fantastic Four or Fan Four Stick or whatever people called it, (laughs) that that one by Josh Trank, which... Could go on a whole tangent about how disappointing that was because as you as we mentioned, I loved Chronicle and was really looking forward to that. But anyways, um, that movie was trying to do something similar with like, look how terrifying it is to just be on fire. And yeah. I think that part of that scene is really good. It's just when he starts moving and it's almost like the frame rate picks up or something and it just feels very like video gamey the way that the character kind of moves around. Interesting. You know what? I might have to go back and watch it then if that's the case. It might have been because I was so impressed by one, uh, you and I getting to talk about Machine Gun Kelly for a second (laughs) podcast in a row. Um, Yeah, right. But but two, I was impressed by kind of, uh, you know, his, they show him and his face is all melted and like you get an idea of what his power is going to be because clearly he's dealt with uh, the negative aspects of using his power. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like you mentioned actually, body horror. So his, you know, he's got, his face is all destroyed. His skin looks like it's been burnt. And when he takes the pill, you're like, well, I can see where this is going to go. And it was gross uh, at first, but I guess I, I wasn't focusing enough on when they were actually doing the fighting because I was so impressed with the initial part. Yeah, no, that's that's certainly fair. Uh, what do you think the coolest power in the film is? So the coolest power in the film. Um, one, I thought it was... Uh, I like that they did what anyone would do when it comes to having the invisibility power. Um, yeah. <laughs> whenever, whenever that power is brought up, the first thing I'm, I could think of that's not like being a complete creeper uh, when you have invisibility power, like is uh, shown on what is it? The is it the boys that's on Amazon? I believe that's yes, yes, the boys. So the invisible man on there is like a creeper who like hangs out in bathrooms and listens to people like talk about them. Um, in this, I thought it was cool that they showed that it's like, no, he's robbing a bank because no one knows where he is. It's like, that is probably what someone would do if they had the invisibility power. So I thought that one was pretty cool. Yeah, I've got a list of uh, all the powers and I tried to, I, I just did this off memory. So if you can think of some other ones that were in the film, let me know. But um, I've got, you've got the Jamie Foxx's daughter who has self or not or she has powers to heal other people. Mm-hmm. There's one guy that can self-heal really quickly, kind of like Wolverine. Uh, you've got the fire powers from M- MGK. You've got the ice powers that they mentioned were like Frozen. That actually made yeah, me that laugh. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, terrifying power set, though. Um, she essentially just freezes to death. Yeah, she turns into like the T-1000 and just shatters into pieces. Yeah. <laughs> then you've got um, a guy who's just 
super strong, always there. I've got one that I'm going to call the copyright infringement power, <laughs> which so is you know. <laughs> turning into the Hulk. Like, I mean, I understand that Marvel doesn't have a copyright on like the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing, but like the scene of that guy from Westworld hulking out and then chasing them down the halls just gave me flashbacks to that scene in the Avengers of the Hulk chasing Black Widow. It was like shot for shot. I think that is, so that was uh, my least favorite CGI. I didn't, I didn't think it looked very good. I understood why they kind of made it hard for you to see him. Cause when he was kind of mutating, I was like, Oh, that's not a great look at the moment. Um, but I like that actor. I love him in Westworld. He's such a good bad guy. Uh, and then on this, I was like, of course he's the bad guy. He gives off that vibe. But then when he, when he took the pill, I was like, uh, if it looked cooler, I'd like it. But yeah, yeah. It, wait, I saw your note. I was laughing because that's I didn't realize like you're right. It's just the Hulk. Yeah, he's he's really selling it too. just going full like 100 percent capital A acting. That guy yeah. is just oh, I'm like like you said, it, it is almost Saturday morning's cartoon comic bookie in that like the villains of this movie are just we're literally selling a drug that is killing people oh, that's yeah, we're, it. we're the bad guys those are the good guys you know there's no deeper yeah. message here of like well are the good guys going too far or the bad guys oh well you know what they might you know you just don't know their story they might be doing it for different reasons like no we're evil they're good just you don't need to go deeper than that yep and then you have a couple other, you know, powers of people that are kind of just like mini bosses at the end. You've got the dude who can contort his body in really way weird ways. That was kind of creepy. Uh, like you mentioned, the invisibility guy. There's the guy who is like a Wolverine knockoff by growing bones out of his body. Yeah, the spikes out of his arms and neck and stuff. Yeah, I thought that was actually a pretty cool scene. That fight yeah. scene between him and Jamie Foxx, that was cool for me. I, I actually even like the uh, contortionist kind of fight scene as well. It was, mm-hmm. um, I guess, because if they were doing the one-on-one fights that you'd mentioned, that one was super intimate. They were in a hallway, so they couldn't really go anywhere. And so JGL's powers like were kind of a moot point because that guy wasn't trying to shoot him. He was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm Mr. Elastic over here. I could just choke you to death. <laughs> yeah. So, And then you've also got JGL's powers, which is being bulletproof. I actually really like the way that was visualized the very first time that it happened. And I think that it's really cool that they do something similar in Luke Cage season one, where like the blunt force trauma of getting shot that close in the head by a gun is still going to knock you out. It's still going to bruise your face. It's still going to hurt, even if it doesn't actually pierce your skin and kill you. So I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah, with Um, the bloodshot eyes for like the rest of the movie from the opening scene. He gets shot in the head and just gets knocked out cold. And when he gets up, his eyes just covered in blood, but he's okay. Yeah. (laughs) And then the last couple ones I have is there's some powers where people will just, I guess, explode. And the fact that these powers are based off animals makes me question which animal just explodes. But, um, (laughs) you know, that's a power, I guess. Then there's Jamie Jamie Foxx's krill fish power. I had to look it up afterwards. And when he when that exposition yeah. happened, I was like, "Wait, what? He's a shrimp?" As <laughs> like, like, his powers, his powers a shrimp power. And then I looked it up, and whoever I mean, the writer uh, that you mentioned, he he must have done a Google of world's most deadliest animals because it's the first one that pops up is that shrimp. And I was like, "Really? What is this?" And it's like a what is it called? Like a bullet shrimp or something like that, where it could yeah, cre- create yeah, heat right. of like the surface of the sun, essentially. Yeah. that I mean, that's a cool power. I think that one's pretty awesome. The visualization of that, I think, works pretty yeah. well. Um, I'm being an asshole here saying that uh, Dominique Fishback's powers is rat powers, I guess, is like what the idea is is that everybody has a power and there's kind of a message there when he she's talking to jamie fox and like it was he was so ham-fisted like yeah that so i understood where they were going there but they just didn't really go there (laughs) you know it's like yeah i really could have done without the whole rap subplot because it also didn't really matter ultimately at the end either it was just like okay this is cheesy yeah and so All right. So I wrote a couple notes about the rap part because it caught me so off guard when they first introduced uh, her rapping ability. So the first thing was like every rapper ever thinks that that situation actually happened to them where it's like the you don't believe in me condescending teacher uh, conversation because it gets brought up all the time. It's like, oh, no one believed in me. And like 
a freestyle rap scene against that condescending teacher is like every rapper that I'm a fan of, apparently that's like their dream of what happened where there's just no <laughs> way that that was like the case for everyone. Right. At some point, a rapper, like a teacher, English teacher is like, well, you're actually really good, but you never hear those stories. Um, and then the other <laughs> part was, she's not, not a bad teachers. rapper. I thought she was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, but you're right. It was unnecessary. And I, I looked it up and um, apparently there was a rapper who actually wrote those raps for her to be in the movie. And I was like, oh, that makes sense because I was actually impressed. It was pretty good rapping. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing that I always get kind of... Uh, there's some disconnect when I have or when I watch rap in a movie in that, like, I know they're not doing it off the top of their head. Oh, no. And I, I it's just like, obviously, but it's just hard for me to accept that we're supposed to believe that that character came up with that rap on the spot because we know that it was actually a very talented rap artist that wrote it for them. I, I don't know. It, it It's just like kind of weird for me to be like, okay, yeah, now we know she's a good rapper, but obviously she's a good rapper because she was given a line that by somebody a professional rapper. Yeah. By, by a successful rapper. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's a super dumb nitpick. I acknowledge that, <laughs> but let's get into some more super dumb nitpicks. Um, there is this very uh, exposition line of that, the, the, this also happens in movies all the time where the kid in high school is in the class that is teaching them the one piece of information that's going to be relevant in the plot later. And in this case, it's about fetal alcohol syndrome and how if you take drugs when you're pregnant, then you can mess up your baby, which is a very real thing that happens. But then she brings it up later in the movie in reference to like Jamie Foxx was getting drug tested on as a soldier or whatever. and then. His daughter now kind of doesn't need to take the pill. And she was like, oh, it's like fetal alcohol syndrome. But <laughs> that's not how semen works. Like, that's you're not. Pre <laughs> what? She she shouldn't have been daydreaming during class, man. She should have paid yeah. attention and be like, no, what you're going for is genetics. And when you uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, inherit something, you know, hereditarily, this is not what you're talking about. Yeah, but then Jamie Foxx has the response. It's like, oh, so you're smart too. It's like, no, <laughs> that that was wrong. That was completely wrong. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe next time just teach her about, I don't know, Mendel's peas or whatever. It's That's what we're <laughs> the, looking for here. <laughs> the the Punnett square of big yes. B, little bees, and yeah, the recessive genes and all that fun stuff. Exactly, yeah. Um, did you have any nitpicks or things that were like, this is stupid or this is awesome, you know? Well, one thing to kind of wrap up the point on um, the young girl's character is I they went for like the wholesome message there, but they only devoted like like the rest of the coolest parts of this movie. They only devoted like five minutes to it. And it was like, you know, you don't need to take this drug because if you focus on what you're good at and you're committed to it, you could do anything you want. But you just didn't care as like an audience member. You're like, yeah, I, yeah, she's a very good rapper. What does that have to do with like anything that's going on? She's introduced because she's a drug dealer. And now we're supposed to care about her character. Um, that was part that bothered me. And similar to what you just mentioned, they just didn't expand on it. Uh, the other part that bothered me a little bit was they didn't expand on Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Is he like a, a drug addicted police officer? Like, Yeah. So that seems like something that you would definitely flesh out if you had a TV show, right? Yeah. It's because... Uh, Clearly, his boss, uh, who's played by Courtney B. Vance, who I swear is a cop in everything he's ever played, <laughs> um, he's like, hey, or he's defending OJ. <laughs> exactly. There you go. He's in the legal justice system somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I. He's like, oh, you can't take that drug and be on my law enforcement, and he just goes on taking the drug. He's like, oh, so Joseph Gordon-Levitt's he's addicted. Okay. And they just never really look at that as a negative, and they just kind of let the movie keep going. And it's like, all right, well, you could you could look at it as like a, an addiction in a negative way, or you could look at it as like, hey, if the bad guys are doing it, I'm doing it too because I'm fighting crime. And that could be a really interesting plot, uh, subplot where it's a cop who's breaking the law, but to do it for good reasons. But they don't really expand on it. It's just like, oh, no, this is a guy who can't die when he's shot by bullets and he's a cop. You're like, all right, all right, cool. Good, <laughs> nice. That's all we need to know, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, and I've I've seen some reviews or, you know, the headlines of reviews or whatever that say 
that there is some surface level commentary also on the idea of Joseph Gordon-Levitt being a cop, a white cop who is getting his drugs from a black teenage girl, like a black teenage girl drug dealer. And there's something interesting about that relationship. The movie doesn't care about it at all. I agree. Um, but there is some really rich commentary that you could do there. And I, I really do think that like there's a very it's a very different film, but it's a very interesting film where you are simply using superheroes and the idea of what it feels like to have uncontrollable power and what that means for people in low income neighborhoods and like just making that a metaphor for heroin or cocaine or whatever. And I think even the idea that like Dominic Fishback's character doesn't want to do it because she knows that she saw a girl OD on it. That's a really cool idea too. But again, because the movie doesn't really focus on the drug parts of the superpower drug, I'm just sort of like, well, no, actually I kind of want to see what your power is. Like, show yeah. me, show me what your power is. <laughs> Be like, listen, I, we only saw one person actually spontaneously combust from using this drug. So the negatives at this point looks like it's like a 95% hit rate of positives. Might as well just take it. Cause we haven't expanded on how negative this drug impacts anyone. It seems like it drastically is positive on everyone. It impacts. Exactly. And if you die, I don't care about you as a character. So (laughs) I haven't been given enough information to know if you're important to the story or not. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to complain about some really dumb things in the movie as uh, going forward. The top secret meeting where the the Westworld guy eventually hulks out is being guarded by a single guard that Jamie Foxx is able to just knock out by pretending he's a drunk homeless person. Like, (laughs) What kind of security is that for a top secret meeting that is going to be talking about an illegal drug distribution in New Orleans? It seems ridiculous. Yeah, and he's able to. So not only that, but before he gets to the one guard, he just has to like ask politely to the bank teller first. While yeah. he's pretending, he's like, "Hey, I'm supposed to be in there," and she's like, "Oh yeah, cool, hop on back." He's like, "This is supposed to be like the evil empire back here," and he's just being like nice to one person. She lets him through and beats up another guy. And then while he's in there, he murders a third dude. And it takes them five minutes to realize that someone's been gouged to death with like ice picks in the middle of the dance floor. And they're like, Oh, what's happening here? It's like, Oh, these are the worst evil villains ever. Yeah. That scene also starts with them being like, have you, did you notice that he's all dressed up, but he's going into a place where you cash checks. Doesn't seem like he's cashing checks. Huh? It's like (laughs) the movie pretends that that's an amazing reveal or that these characters are really smart and a lot of that like getting the characters together stuff is really poorly done in this film in my opinion yeah and and i guess uh, you're right and that's what makes it frustrating because the concept's cool there's so many cool things that could have happened and they just don't happen and that's why i give it like the above average score where i just i wanted this to be good and it was just okay and every time they like dip their toe in something really cool they take it out immediately and they're like nah yeah i'm not doing that Yeah, well, even with the kind of mini boss fights, it makes no difference that they have the powers for five minutes. Like they pop the pill in and then the fight's over before the five minutes expire. So it's like what there's no difference between them taking the drug and them just having those powers and us as an audience being like, oh, I I wonder what this next person's going to have. I was so surprised that they never once like they they even have the, the stopwatch thing with JGL. He's like, I know I'm bulletproof for five minutes. But that never matters. All the action is over in five minutes. It's never like, oh, no, I'm out. So now I have to be extra careful or, oh, I come up against somebody who is incredibly terrifying and has a power that's much better than mine. So let me just outstall his five minutes so that I can then, you know, one on one him before he takes another drug. Like just some sort of creative thought there would have been interesting. And it's almost more frustrating because there is some pretty cool stuff in this movie. So it's not completely devoid of creativity, which is the most frustrating thing. One of the, so one of the notes I wrote down based off of what you just said was I wrote, cause I write them in like live time as I'm doing it. So I can yeah. actually, actually <laughs> truly how I feel. And I wrote, wow, we got a boss fight. And then dot, 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 never mind. The strong guy just got blasted with a shotgun and he's dead. I was like, <laughs> yeah. finally we get to see Jamie Foxx's power versus another like, 
queerly intimidating superhero. And it was the dude who's just could break open like steel walls, like it's nothing. And I don't know why in my brain that means that like he'd be pretty hard to kill, but no, he's just strong. It doesn't mean he could take a shotgun blast to the chest and he's dead instantly. I was like, Oh, I guess we don't need to, we don't need to get to watch that fight. All right, cool. I guess we'll just see what happens <laughs> next time. <laughs> yeah. A lot of these fights are super, super short too, which is a, a bit disappointing. Like, Again, they're they're over in five minutes in real lifetime or whatever, which for the movie is like sometimes they're thirty second long fights. It's kind of a bummer. That's why I like the um, the Invisible Guy one. I thought that was cool the way they introduced uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt's power. How the Invisible Guy was like, I gotta run because I can't beat people up because my power has nothing to do with fighting. It's they can't see me. Yeah. And he opens the die pack and it explodes on him. I was like, Oh, that's pretty clever. Cause now his power, you'll, you won't see his body, but you're going to see a, a red covered in paint head bobbing through the crowd. <laughs> um, and I thought that was cool. And that lasted like the full five minutes, but then some of the other powers, uh, they're cool and it just doesn't matter because they kind of lose the one-on-one fight and their character's gone forever. Yeah. Um, Last point I've got here. This movie is kind of just Iron Man 3. I don't know if you got any parallels there, but in Iron Man 3, they are testing a drug on war veterans and they give them superpowers. And there's also an ultimate climax on a boat too. (laughs) You know, some of the characters get addicted, they OD and they explode, just like the Machine Gun Kelly thing. I'm kind of like stretching here, but I didn't realize, I was like, oh my God, a lot of this is kind of Iron Man 3, some of the the using drugs on the military kind of thing. That's that. So what you just mentioned is one of the reasons why I appreciate when someone tries to take an original approach to superheroes, because they've been around for so long and the classics have been around for so long that you could deep dive on any superhero and be like, well, that was done in Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man, or this was done in Iron Man three. And so coming up with an original kind of thought is really difficult. And so that's why I was like, Oh, I'll I'll give this the benefit of the doubt. Cause when I saw your note on Iron Man three, I was like, you know what? He's right. That is very similar, but they're trying. And I appreciate them for trying because I want (laughs) new stuff like this. Yeah, no. And I mean, for again, for an original property, there is quite a, a lot to like in the movie, I would say. Like, again, I, I think all of the problems with this movie are for me at the execution level. Like, even, you know, they've got that scene with the girl who's like slowly dying from her freezing powers and they're filming the uh the action outside, which is Jamie Foxx essentially just slaughtering people left and right. And they're filming it through the pod that she's in that's kind of glazed over with ice or whatever. And that should be a really cool idea. It should be it. I mean, it is kind of terrifying to watch her slowly screaming and dying and everything, but like, I can't see anything and the frame rate goes up again. And it's all just this execution is just not quite what I want it to be. I, so I had the exact same thought when I saw that, I was like, Oh, this is going to be cool. I like the, uh, one shot take of in the foreground, you're seeing this girl dying from her power. And then in the background, you're seeing everyone fighting around her. You just can't see anything. And it's like, ah, uh, it's yeah. like, I think there's power. Like this could have been so cool, but like, I don't really know what's happening. <laughs> like, ah, oh, man. Yeah. I, just, I almost want this movie to be like a, a way for Netflix to be like, okay, let's make sure people will watch us. Okay. They'll watch it. Let's go back do this again, double the budget, exact same movie, but flesh it out a little more. And I would definitely watch that, but that's, you know, not how Hollywood works. No, this is probably the last chance. I mean, maybe, you know, if you don't need the big name actors in there and you, you know, save money on the budget that way and you just have, you know, first time actors, maybe you can stretch that money out and make it a one season series and see how that goes. And because there's a lot to, there's a lot of cool storylines to, uh, evolve here and they were just like so surface level that it it left me wanting more yeah i think ultimately this is going to be a movie that goes into that bracket of movies that that's such a cool premise just really didn't live up to it and because of that i can't shake the disappointment so there are so many movies that reach that level for me and it still bothers me um, one of them is the purge i think the purge is like <laughs> such a cool concept that has not been properly executed once yet. And I just don't think they could 
they, I don't think we can actually execute it the way it should be. It's the first time I heard the purge. It's like, wow, that's awesome. And then I watched it. Was like, eh. And then they made five more. And everyone was like, eh, I guess. And, oh, it's all right. <laughs> I'm like, it's fine. Have you seen the uh, Rick and Morty episode on the purge? No, I have not. Uh, it's it's pretty funny. They're really sassy about it, but I, I think that one's great. I've never seen the purge movies, but yeah, it's a good example of a great in premise, but like it actually takes a lot of work to figure out a way to cohesively tell that in a way that's interesting in two hours. Um, I don't know. Maybe a purge TV show would have been better way to go. Who knows? That, and, hey, with the Watchmen, they found a very yeah. interesting way to tell that story and to tie it to race relations and then issues with the police. It was so nuanced and super cool. It's just hard. I think it's just hard to figure out a way to tie these cool ideas to interesting stories and expand upon them the way they uh, the audience wants them to. Because this is such a cool idea. And it sounds like they had a bunch of cool ideas and they just couldn't figure out which which way they wanted to go. Yeah, so let's go ahead and uh, end our Project Power review by recommending Watchmen on HBO. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my, they've got like 26 Emmy nominations. Totally deserves them too. Yeah, you know, that thing that nobody has heard. We're just talking about that tiny, you know, little limited series show that If you've never heard of it, you should totally check it out. I don't know if this is the first time. (laughs) After that, you should watch uh, Lord of the Rings as well. New show. Yeah. Yeah, because that's that's an, an amazing display of um, budget on screen. If you yeah, never heard absolutely. Of it, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and move on to our point two section, where we talk about some of the other stuff that we've been watching. So, James, other than Watchmen, what have you been watching? So, I have had uh, the distinct pleasure of watching a bunch of really highly rated movies that I had never seen before. Um, oh, I so love that. You tell me which one you want me to expand on. Um, A new movie that came out uh, called Yes, God, Yes, which is a very funny kind of coming of age story. Um, I finally got around to seeing Whiplash with J.K. Simmons and then uh, Wind River, which I loved the writer. I loved um, Sicario and uh, what is it? The other movie the writer wrote. um, Hell or High Water. Hell or High Water. Yes, thank you. I love both of those. And when I found out uh, he wrote a third one, I was like, I got to watch that. And so I watched all three of those recently and I loved all three of them. James, you're very quickly becoming my favorite guest because you came on the first episode and talked about Inside Out and now you're giving me a chance to talk about Wind River, which is my (laughs) favorite movie of that year. That movie's amazing. Um, I don't know how to tell more people to watch it, but it's such a good movie. It was one of those movies, well, one, Inside Out, I've suggested to everyone because I hadn't cried like that since I was a child. (laughs) Um, But Wind River is... I think I might have seen you on like a Twitter thread with other people, or maybe you liked something that said that and it popped up and I was like, Hey, if the whole world likes this, let me check it out. And when I saw that the writer had written those other two movies, I was like, well, I love those two. Um, And it was tremendous. It was such a good movie. And it's one of those, I, it's one of those movies where you see where it's going and it lets you see where it's going, but it doesn't make you feel less anxious while that's happening. And I enjoyed that, you know, the the scene in the movie where you're like, these are clearly the men that they are looking for. They show you what happens so that you don't feel bad for what's about to happen to those men. It's like, oh, right. Good. I hope they get those dudes. Those are the ones we're looking for the whole time. God. Yeah, I think the movie is just so good at towing the line between violence against um, minorities and women in a way that is, it drives the plot, but it's not disrespectful. It's not mm-hmm. gratuitous. It's it's very much like, you know, I, I've i read up a little bit about Taylor Sheridan after watching this movie because I liked it that much that like he grew up in Wyoming or wherever and spent a lot of time living on the Native American reservations and having these interactions with uh, the Native American people. And you can really feel that sincerity in those characters and how he's treating this and that, I mean, this is I, it's not really a spoiler because it has nothing to do with the movie, but the end of the movie ends with a title card that is like some statistic about how many Native American women go missing every mm-hmm. year and nobody does anything about it. And that level of um, like commitment and focus on that idea to telling a story that is not 
often told, especially as like a white man like Taylor Sheridan is, I think is really awesome. And then on top of that, the movie is just incredibly well shot. It's incredibly well acted and the tension in that scene that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yeah. It was, so uh, what you'd mentioned there uh, in regards to the amount of support they get on the legal side from like pol- uh, women who go missing who are never found. I thought it was really well done when he covered it, when uh, the FBI agent is sitting there and it's like, well, what about the rest of the force? What are they going to do? And the Native American police chief is like, I'm one of six cops. I'm, I have a 40 yeah. <laughs> mile coverage. Like I'm the only guy who's coming. So it's either you or me. Like we got to figure this out. And that's when she's like, Oh, all right, well, let me see if I can get my boss to give you some more time out here. Because if the answer is no, you're on your own. And you're who they're asking a guy who's it's not even his job to support with this search because they're that limited on uh, police support in those areas. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing movie. Uh, Did you watch it on Netflix? Is it still on Netflix? Where did I watch? It might've been Amazon if I believe so. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and it stars Jeremy Renner, Elizabeth Mm -hmm. Olsen. So it's a nice little Marvel team up in the uh, cold ass weather of North Dakota. Every scene is freezing cold. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like a nightmare to shoot, to be honest, but um, <laughs> I love the ending scene, the way that they end it with Jeremy Renner um, getting some justice, I guess, is the mm-hmm. way to keep that ambiguous. Just, you know, you may not agree with what he did, but in the moment you're like, yes, this is amazing. <laughs> I, um, when Jeremy Renner is first announcing to the missing girl's father that you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to help the police look for her and the missing girl's father, her whole family is just distraught They're ha- as you would be. Um, and he is like, well, you know, what are you doing this for? And he like looks at me, he's like, you know what I'm doing this for? He's like, yeah. I'm not, he's like, I'm not bringing this dude back, you know, and we're holding justice in a courthouse. He's like, it's like, I hunt predators for a living. He's like, I'm hunting a predator right now. And the girl's father is like, well, then what are you doing talking to me? Get out there and go find him then. Yeah. Badass. So good. Yeah. So good. So badass. So touching too. Just, oh man, love it. It's uh wind river. Definitely check it out if you haven't. So the film that I want to talk about that I saw recently is a little indie called The Peanut Butter Falcon. There's sheep in this world and there are wolves in this world. And I know that you two boys are just two weary travelers who lost their way. So we're going to clean you up right with a baptism. I'm more of a baptism by fire type. Okay. Come to my wrestling school and become a badass. That's what he wants to do with the rest of his life. Yes, it is. You let a half-naked boy with Down syndrome who has no idea how to get along in this world just slip out from under your nose. You two are close. We are. Well, then you'll figure out where he's at and you'll bring him back. Have you heard of that? So I have heard of this and I have never actually seen this. So this could be... um, similar to last time, a film that you suggest to me that I end up going to watch uh, because I have uh, confused it with Honey Boy with Shia LaBeouf. Um, But now I've been informed many times over by my friends and members of my podcast who love this movie uh, that they are not the same movie. So now I will lovingly hear your (laughs) review. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, um, Honey Boy, also an amazing film. It was my favorite film from last year. So you should check that out too. That's Mm -hmm. on Amazon. But uh, yeah, this is a film. It's Shia LaBeouf again, but it's um, Dakota Johnson and then a kid named Zach Gottsagen. And he's an actor with Down syndrome. And so basically what it is, is it reminds me a lot of The Odyssey, but set in North Carolina, which is like I guess, Huckleberry Finn. So it's just a modern retelling of Huckleberry Finn. Uh, Shia LaBeouf plays a fisherman who makes a promise to Zach, the kid, um, to take him to meet this famous wrestler after Zach essentially runs away from this nursing home that he's stuck in. And Dakota Johnson is taking care of him there. She's like his kind of social worker or whatever. And so basically they just travel by foot and boat to this place and they encounter various things along the way. And I just think it's probably one of the sweetest and most heartfelt movies that I've seen in a long time. Um, I think the kid, Zach, the fact that he has Down syndrome and he's he's an amazing actor, but he's really great on screen. And I think he really brings a level of authenticity that 
makes this project shine in a way that you just couldn't do if you were trying to tell this story without um, a character like that. And I don't know, it's just, it's just super feel good. Um, it's really funny. Shia LaBeouf is amazing at it. He's got great chemistry with both Dakota Johnson and uh, Zach. You know, it's not like the invitation at all. It's not, you know, thrilling like that or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it is just a great movie to watch, to have like a feel good, this makes my heart happy kind of movie. Well, you sold me on that. And um, because I like to watch so many horror movies or thrillers, uh, my wife does not like to watch those. So this sounds like something she will gladly sit down and watch with me. So I'm absolutely going to check it out. Oh, yeah. This is definitely a like watch with your loved one and just enjoy. Um, did you watch the Oscars last year? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. So the kid in this, he presented an award with Shia LaBeouf. I think it was the best live short at the Oscars. And if you haven't seen, if you don't remember that, but that clip is just so cute that he's, he's clearly super nervous and he's reading off the teleprompter and <laughs> it's, it's, it's an adorable little moment. And Shai is so patient with him. And it's that moment. Like if you want this movie in a minute and a half, that moment is a, a perfect example of that. But, um, yeah, love the movie. It was really great. And that is on Hulu, the peanut butter Falcon. Okay, so uh, with that, this has been our review of Project Power. James, thanks again for joining me. I thought this was a blast again. Thank you for having me. I love coming on, uh, Monty. Thank you. Anytime you need someone in here, you let me know. I'm always down to watch movies and just talk about them forever and ever. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to bring up more of my favorite movies of all time in your point two sections, that is uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's great what, way to get an invitation. <laughs> yeah, I'll just start stalking your feed now and going back to like your original podcast and movies you love to be like, oh, yeah, I just happened to check that one out. You ever heard of it? Yeah. Oh, have you heard of uh, The Lion King, Finding <laughs> yeah. Nemo? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These are just, I, I think they're new, right? These are new. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Is there anything specific you want to plug here? Uh, no, um, thanks for having me on. Uh, if you are interested, uh, please check out uh, the podcast I do with a bunch of uh, dumb people like myself. It's called Munson's at the Movies. You can check us out on anywhere you listen to podcasts or on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Munson's at the Movies. We try to think we're intelligent, but we're not. So don't think you're going to get too artsy it takes from us. Uh, we, we just <laughs> like to shoot the shit and talk about actors. Yeah, I saw that you guys just did a Rebecca Hall episode. Yes, um, we did. I really want to check that out because I just saw her in um, Frost Nixon, which I, up until that point, had not seen her in anything other than like, I believe she's in a, maybe in a, uh, The Guest and then um, Iron Man 3. We just talked about it, but um, yes. Iron great Man actress. 3. Yeah, I, I love Rebecca Hall. Iron Man 3, uh, interestingly enough, she was supposed to be the main villain in that movie. And Marvel wrote her out because they didn't think she would sell enough toys. And I learned that when I was doing some research on her for the podcast. And I was like, whoa, that is some heavy stuff, man. And so she's got kind of a – she's got an issue with Marvel. She loves all the actors she worked with. But she was supposed to be the main bad guy in that movie and they had to change the script. Yeah, I remember that. That was back when it was not fully run by Kevin Feige. And yep. whoever was in head of it was like, yeah – Kids won't buy female action figures, uh, which is very, very uh, thinly veiled misogynistic beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm glad that she has a illustrious career for you guys to pour over. So I'll, I'm definitely going to check that one out and I'll provide the link to that episode and your Twitter feed as well. Perfect. Thank you so much, man. The intro music for this episode is a piece called Work by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his work at Incompetech.com. If you'd like to keep up with this podcast and find out when we release new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMarapod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MovieMarapod. That's Movie M-A-R-A pod. And you can always reach out to us at our email, MovieMarathonersPod at gmail.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast at our website, EvergreenPodcasts.com slash Movie-Marathoners. And we are also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Overcast, Himalaya, and CastBox. Please subscribe or write a review if you like what we're doing, and any feedback you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated. So thank you all for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time when Brett Bohan comes back on the podcast to review the new Disney Plus film, The One and Only Ivan. So stay tuned for that. Until then, bye. 
Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotas, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.